0: Welcome to the Destinate NZ Show. I'm Michelle Caldwell, and today we're bringing you part two in our Around the World series. Well, listeners, welcome back. Hope you've had a great week, and thank you for the feedback that you've sent in on part one of our Around the World series last week. Well, of course, as you know, we're going to continue that this week, and we've got another three inbound operators joining us for a chat about their markets. So today it's the turn of Mark Badland from Pacific Destinations. Tim Reid from Southern World New Zealand, and John Gregory from Terra Nova Tours. So yes, we have the boys in the studio with us, and they are once again being very generous with their time and their knowledge and advice for you, our listeners. So we hope you enjoy this. Obviously, some of the themes are very similar, and we hope that by the time these episodes have gone to air that is starting to change and they have all of your rates out to 2024. As I mentioned last week, if you do need a hand or you need some extra resource in your business to help with your sales and marketing, give me a call. I do have some spare time at the moment to take on a couple more clients. So you can do that, DestinateNZ.com. That's pretty important, isn't it? But in the meantime, I'm going to let you listen to part two, enjoy this with John, Mark, and Tim, and we will see you next week. So next week, we're going a little bit different. We don't have inbound operators, but we have one of our very celebrated industry suppliers joining us for a chat about community collaboration, and it's a good one. So tune in next Wednesday. Wednesday, 7 o'clock. Ka kite! Well, today, we're bringing you part two of our Around the World series, where we chat with inbound operators who are quite often the groundbreakers into new markets. They are an extension of our offshore marketing arm, and they specialize in knowing and understanding New Zealand tourism better than anyone. Today, we welcome three more of our top inbound operators to the show to share their thoughts and tips with you. First up, we welcome Tim Reid from Southern World. Kia ora, Tim. Kia we also have Mark Badlin joining us from Pacific Destinations. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi. Thank you.
0: And last but not least, we welcome John Gregory from Terranova Tours. Kia ora, John.
2: Yeah. Good G'day, Michelle.
0: Rightio. So, Tim, let's start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about Southern World and, in particular, the main markets that you service?
3: Sure. Thank you. Um, Like all the inbounders that you've worked with, very much. Same in certain ways. Probably one of our biggest points of difference from our main competitors, we uh, deal with trade only. Uh, we don't deal with any clients direct. So huge trade focus, which goes down well with the international market, especially with tourism in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Stating that they they're looking at about 73% of business coming back via trade, international trade. So that's it's a great space to be in. Our main markets for us, our biggest market has always been North America. Uh, So US and Canada, we've got um, two permanent full-time reps based um, in in that market, Uh, plus Mm -hmm. another one we will be re-engaging sometime towards the end of this year, who covers the East Coast for us. Uh, So it's a big proportion, probably around the 50%, and that's made up of about 60% FIT, so a lot of tailor-made style bookings, various levels. Uh, We target the high-end specifically, but we we get a good range out of our agents there. And then the kind of small ad hoc style group business as well. We've done a bit of serious business out of the US over the years. We've got a couple of smaller series operators coming through and their numbers are looking really good for the mm. season ahead because they've all pushed their business as yep. everyone else has <laughs>
0: yep. for
3: a number of years now. Then our other main market is UK and Europe. We have Val, a lot of people know, based in the UK and so... She's covering mainly the UK and the more the northern parts of Europe, so Scandinavia, Germanic around that area. And she travels to a number of shows over there. Just got a lot of experience in that market. So and we've seen some really big uptakes, especially on the UK market uh, in recent times. And I think that's one of the questions down the, down the line. But uh, there's a lot of positivity coming out of that market, which is really good.
0: Mm, That's great to hear. And John, Terranova obviously does a lot of work in Germany. Are there any other markets that you're active in? Can you tell us a bit about your business?
2: Yeah, definitely. Germany is our key market and we're basically a specialist coach tour operator, not really focusing on the FIT market. And key points of difference, I guess, are our German speaking guides and our guided tours in the German language, which would be one of the key parts of our business. We do work with clients throughout the rest of Europe, though and watching closely what's going on at, at, there at the moment. We do have clients in um, Estonia and Czechoslovakia and some of the Eastern, old mm-hmm. Eastern Bloc countries. Mm-hmm. So conscious of them. Yeah, it's pretty much our focus. We have dabbled in the last couple of years on the domestic side of, of things to, to keep going. And, and that's been quite an interesting learning curve as well. Working, doing a lot of work in Stewart Island mm-hmm. for the last two, two years, or yep. almost two years now. So with with FIT packages down there, working with the local trade through travel agents mainly.
0: Yeah, nice. And what about you, Mark, at Pacific Destinations? What are your main markets?
1: Uh, Fairly similar to to Tim in Southern World. We we work in most markets other than China, to be honest. North America is a a strong market for us, as is Europe. But then we've got quite a strong focus in Southeast Asia, including Japan. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, definitely a, a variation of FIT and, and Group and some cruise business as well. But, you yeah, know, definitely comes from a, an array of, of markets, including South America, which is a market that we uh, went into some 20 years ago and yep. looking forward to, to seeing some resurgence there as well.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So a lot of you are working with the visa waiver countries and Tim, you do a lot of work in the luxury spaces you mentioned. What's been the response from your clients now that we've had this need to self-isolate dropped from our visitor arrivals?
3: I think there was almost an expectation that it would happen Mm. uh, as much as we thought that Mm -hmm. might be hamstrung for a while. They, especially the North American market where we do the majority of our now, our premium market from the uh, that, that end of the market is very positive when it comes to travel. And they now it's been confirmed, it's really helped us, I guess, take away the tentative kind of look about travel we've had with a lot of them. Uh, for example, we've been just not taking any deposits or payments because we just didn't want to do anything like that until there's more certainty, which yeah. was a, a plus. And agents really appreciate that because it's been really tie their clients down to something they just don't know what's going to happen. Um, but we've seen a good uptake of people coming back, or the agents coming back saying that these clients are keen as mustard now mm. and they're so excited, hey, let's add another week. <laughs> so <laughs> awesome. we get that kind of stuff. So, yeah, really positive and we're seeing some really good uptake out of both you know, the UK market in particular and uh, the US market in that, in that premium space but across the board as well.
0: And do you think a lot of that is just deferred travel or is some of this new because people have been locked up for two years and now just want to go somewhere?
3: Yeah, a lot of it has some sort of deferred nature to it, whether they've already booked with us two or three or possibly four times, and this yep. is, you know, them trying again. But there's a lot of it where maybe they've looked at New Zealand over the year or 2 haven't really seriously done anything about it. Uh, and now it's given them the impetus to actually go ahead to their agents or travel company, who they're dealing with, and give them the go ahead to say, this is what we want to do, make it happen. Mm, so, But there is some new stuff coming through. I think this part of the world still has that real attraction of being away from the, the craziness of what's going on, you know, all different topics. We won't go into them. Mm.
0: Yeah, you know,
3: <laughs> there is that normal appeal here, yeah, and it mm. you know fits into someone's bucket list along the line somewhere, whether they've been thinking about it a year or two or, or just been thinking about it recently.
0: Yeah, nice. And John, what kind of demand are you expecting when the rules are relaxed?
2: Really, really hard to know, Michelle. It's mm. it's we've had trouble picking our way through this whole pandemic and knowing what's coming is a bit of a challenge for our business. We do have quite a push. Just post-Christmas in the January-February period with early bird specials and I think a lot of our markets sort of get through the the winter and the Christmas time and then start thinking about their travel. And unfortunately in January there was no real clear idea of when the borders might reopen without Mm -hmm. the self-isolation. So we missed a fair bit of that booking pattern which I think will affect us quarter four this year. Mm -hmm. might be a bit softer than it might otherwise have been. But the the news is really positive, and we've definitely seen an uptick in in inquiries and bookings coming through. And and we're hopeful in the next week or two, we expect an announcement from the government of a date. In the German German market especially, with them, everything's very black and white. Mm -hmm. The border's either open or it's not. So I I think they'll really be waiting for an official announcement from the government on that date. And once that happens, we expect to see the key wholesalers over there investing more in marketing New Zealand and down under. So yeah, positive news and, and we can't wait for the for the official announcement to come through shortly.
0: Mm, awesome. And Mark, if you have a look at the bookings that you've started seeing come through, where are they coming from and when are people planning to come?
1: Yeah, we've it's been interesting because with our Australian office. We've been watching that pretty closely of what happened when, when they announced their border reopening. And, mm-hmm. and to be honest, they went from, from zero to 100 miles an hour within a week. And, wow. and it, it really took off to the point of urgently recruiting and, and bringing staff back on. It hasn't happened in New Zealand. And the only thing I can put that down to is, as John mentioned, it's without that confirmed date, there's still a little bit of grey area there. And, yeah, and a yeah. lot of our agents around the world, they need it to be black and white. They need to know exactly what date they, they're selling from. So, you know, our European market has is, is very quiet. Southeast Asia is is still asleep um, until they have that date. They're really not interested in looking at anything. And that will happen very quickly. As we know, that's a very short lead market. And, and once we have the date, we expect that to pick up very quickly. Other countries like Japan, It's all very well that we've got a date, but they still have their own restrictions. Mm. So they still um, aren't able to travel without an isolation period on return. So the moment that that market's closed, so we're eagerly anticipating other um, markets around the world to, to, to relax their own restrictions. So at the moment, we're seeing a big uptake from North America. They're very eager. Like Tim, you know, a lot of them are a rebooking scenario. We may have rebooked them a number of times. And they're all for that late or early Q4 arrival up until that. So we're pretty quiet on the books until September at least.
0: Yeah, right. Okay. Has there been any talk in Japan about loosening the restrictions that they have to travel?
1: yeah there's there's murmurs at the moment that that is going to be restricted Mm -hmm. and they'll be watching New Zealand and Australia very carefully of what we've done and as we watch Canada and other parts of the world and and we take leads from them so we are hoping over hoping over the next you know four weeks that they will have an announcement at least
0: okay let's keep our fingers crossed and John what are you predicting the biggest challenges will be for your business with regards to the borders reopening
2: More than just our business across the board, the biggest challenge we've got is staffing. Mm -hmm. And and we're all going to face that in our individual um, needs and requirements. But, you know, one of my biggest concerns is that when a tour group turns up a hotel, is there going to be someone there to deliver the bags to the rooms? Is there going to be enough staff in the restaurant? And is there going to be staff that provide the standard of service that our international clients expect? So, yeah, I think that's something we're all going to have to work on. And the first travellers that I'd honestly like to see back in New Zealand are the the working holiday travellers people that come to New Zealand for a year um, work six months and tour for six months they're a good earner for our economy um, for tourism but they also they'll staff up our hospitality outlets our activity providers um, and that sort of thing so now yeah I think staff's clearly going to be our biggest challenge.
0: Yeah, it's interesting on last week's show when we interviewed the other three inbound operators, that was a common theme that came through and interestingly enough, Chambers is now based in Cairns and she said even though the border has reopened working holiday visas, they haven't seen that influx yet and they're screaming out for staff as much as we are. So it seems like it's going to be a pretty common problem across Australia and New Zealand when we do open Tim, what do you think the biggest challenges will be? Have you got anything to add to that?
3: Yeah, I mean, very much what John said is, is a challenge for all of us. But we're seeing in some of the regions a lot of our options. Taupo's probably one of the better regions, but if you look at the Nelson region, we had another lodge closed yesterday, which mm. is what we use a lot. Yeah. Um, they sold to private owners. Eden House, if you hadn't heard that, Mark. But um, they are one of many that have closed in um, mm. that kind of nicer higher end space. Yeah. Uh, and they've been sold mostly to private buyers who've been looking for really nice properties.
0: Yeah. Wow. Uh,
3: so really stuck. And, and Nelson's not the only region, it's those options. And it's for existing clients, finding somewhere new it is hard for supporting, especially in some of the regions. We just, sometimes have to shy away from them um, because we just don't have the options especially at those peak times. So that's a real challenge is, is working around that kind of availability the issue and, and, or lack of it. And apart from staffing, I think probably rates-wise is, is another challenge. We've got a lot of people out there who have been very tentative about what their future holds.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Some of them have the mindset of, well, well, at the moment, we're not doing anything and we don't have any staff. It's like, well, actually tell us what you're doing in a year's time or come January 2023, do you envisage being here and doing this? That's what we want to know. Mm. Uh, rather looking at now, look at what the future is, even though you haven't got the staff in that yet, you've got to have a plan for that and share that with us because everything we do is aspirational. It's about what's going to happen for these clients at this time. Mm. Uh, so we want to know what you're aspiring to do as well, even though you might be in the doldrums now in hibernation or whatever it is. Have uh, a Plan and especially rates, it's uh, getting rates to us um, right out to that 2024 period. Uh, and yeah. there's a lot, uh, I mean, not a lot, but there's a good number that still have not set their rates for you know early 2023, oh. which makes it incredibly challenging for us uh, to one include you, but also just to really uh, offer our clients a bit of certainty about our own pricing. So yeah. just to, to get away from the tentative look about things. I think we all know there is some positive signs out there. Mm. Uh, we are going to see obviously self isolation go with, with the borders opening well before July to visitors. So take a, I guess, an aspirational look at where you're going to be come this summer.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point because we have been sitting in this little closed country, borders closed, and we've just been scrambling and a little bit like the duck with the legs underwater to keep afloat. And operators do need to now start to see that light at the end of the tunnel, as you guys have seen, and say, well, now I need to plan for this because you're right, if you don't have rates, you can't sell it. So now some of the other feedback that we had Mark was around the testing requirements to come into New Zealand so we still need the fully vaccinated visitors to do a PCR test before they get to New Zealand and the feedback last week from some of the inbounders was that that is causing a bit of a bottleneck because you don't need to do that in all countries in Europe are you getting that feedback from your clients as well.
1: so much at the moment, but that's because a lot of them are still cautiously um, waiting to see what the criteria is to to travel to New Zealand. It's all very well to announce a date, but there will be criteria with that. And and I don't suspect that's going to change from what it is currently. Mm -hmm. Uh, Look, every hurdle that we do put in place or the government puts in place will have an impact on arrivals. We want to make travel as seamless as possible down to, down to our part of the world. And, and once they have that criteria on there, it is going to just put an extra question mark on travel to New Zealand over another destination, which we know is going to be pretty fought after out there um, with our agents. So even internally, we were talking about it yesterday of, of when we do have our clients that do travel, how logistically we arrange those tests and and what role the inbounder has to play in that. Uh, mm-hmm. where we. We, we are able to source the medical staff in order to, especially have large, large groups, because we want to make that seamless and, and not rock up to your local Unicamp pharmacy and, and try and get a test. So every minute counts when you're on the road and, and we need to make sure those logistics work. But definitely it is a challenge and, and it will continue being a challenge until we um, are able to, to have less restrictions to, on travel.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I guess still one of the concerns for those groups is what happens on the road if somebody tests positive in that group, right? Because that's still not my understanding is that's still not clear what happens with the rest of the group.
1: Yeah, we're going to have to continue um, working as an industry to be to have clarity on that, mm. and that's going to have to come from above. We'll obviously. Now, our operators will have our own checks and balances along the way and, and our own procedures but if there is some umbrella ideas and, and clarity on that for the industry then that'll make our life and the you know, and the visitors' lives a lot easier and, and clearer as well
0: tim have you seen any changes to what's being requested or the types of experiences that luxury travelers are looking for so far
3: yeah we and this really came right from the start i guess we went through many phases of of seeing and hoping the borders would be open a lot earlier than this. And we saw some new patterns emerging quite early on. That was longer stays. New Zealand, so people staying a week or two longer, especially for the US market, which is traditionally in that 12 to 14 days on average. They come down here, they were looking at, you know, three weeks to possibly four weeks. Mm. So they recognize, okay, you know, this new world of travel is going to be quite difficult. Let's make the most of our time and actually spend a bit more time Uh, And some of those destinations we'd normally only give uh, two weeks. We've also seen from early on, again, uh, a lot more combined destinations as well. So uh, people looking at doing Australia and New Zealand, Mm -hmm. splitting obviously a longer time again to do that, um, and also Fiji as well. So looking to make it more of a bit of a South Pacific journey down under adventure rather than just one country and thinking about another country later on because they Mm. I guess the mindset in that is that maybe they won't get back down here again. Travels going to be as easy as it, it has been in the past. So let's make the most of our time down here. Stay longer, do more. So that's been really, uh, I think the only other one that we've really seen is people wanting to spend a bit more money as well, which is good. They want something a little bit more private, whether they're doing some smaller tours or some private tours as part of a self-drive tour or doing something, you know, a little bit more extravagant. So, yeah, just spending a little bit more money. So budget isn't isn't such an issue for mm. some of our markets. Yeah.
0: Mm. That's good to hear. And, John, you mentioned you've been doing some work in Stewart Island and obviously trying to get some work out of the domestic market. What influence do you think that that will have on international travelers the fact that we've had all of the kiwis out exploring their backyard and sharing their experiences online and getting off the beaten track and we haven't necessarily seen kiwis go to the same places that the internationals do do you think we'll see some changes in itineraries going forward based on that
2: I think we may do, and and perhaps to follow on what Tim was saying, that people might be coming here for longer. They'll have time to go to some of these regions Mm. um, where previously the length of stay hasn't allowed people to explore places like Stewart Island or Northland or or other regions. So, yeah, definitely could see that happening. One of the other trends that we expect to see too is is a growing demand for smaller group tours. Mm -hmm. So we've operated groups right up to, you know, into the 40s in the past and and smaller groups up to 14. And and we're seeing demand for that uh, definitely outstripping the larger tours at the moment. Whether Mm -hmm. that will continue, who knows, but it's certainly a a, a theme that we're seeing at the moment.
0: Mm, Yeah, that seems to be a pretty common theme that's come through as well. So, Mark, when you look into the future and get your crystal ball out, what do you hope that inbound tourism looks like?
1: uh <laughs> successful. <laughs> and, uh, it's um, look, I, I think we are like Tim said right in the beginning. We're going to play a huge part in, in you know the next few years of reconnecting New Zealand. And what we're seeing from our agents is absolutely they want to have they want to have that certainty when they travel down and, and making sure that they have people on the ground looking after their clients. And one of the big things at the, at the moment is reconnecting our supply chain to our international agents. One of our biggest questions we get on a daily basis is what product is still available? So that's a huge role that we have to play because we need to make sure that, that we're taking, uh, one, the appropriate product, but also product that is trade-ready and 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 that's still available to be exported back to our clients around the world. So that's a, that's a massive piece um, in the puzzle for us to play. You know, I think a lot of inbounders have had two years to to really have a a clearer look at their own businesses and and understand that potentially we don't need to be all things to all people Mm -hmm. and that we actually have our own individual specialities. And that's where I see a lot of inbounders focusing on for the the next couple of years at least, really working um, hard with with the key agents around the world and making sure that, that those numbers do slowly increase back into our destination and we do it in a safe environment and that the expectations are met to the best of their ability.
0: Mm, Great okay and that leads quite nicely into the next question I wanted to ask you've mentioned rates and you've mentioned the need to reconnect suppliers with the international trade now let's talk to the suppliers that are listening into the show what else can they do to support you guys? Tim I'll start with you I can see you with a big smile on your face there <laughs> I think I
3: already covered this question but yeah look, the key one for us is having rates as far as possible because people are planning well well ahead and we realize that and we're seeing it as the demand will be there's a lot of pent-up demand so the demand will be huge as Mark said it's, it's going to be a bit of a gradual start which is understandable because there's still some challenges and lots of clarity still come out in regards to that but this part of the world with what's going on in the Ukraine, et cetera, Mm. is going to only get more attractive. So yeah, a bit of clarity around also what you're doing as a product and don't be shy to say, this is what we're going to be doing. I think you've got to realize that the domestic market is not going to be like a number of suppliers have seen it really have some really good uh, income coming for them um, over certain times. Whether that stays, I very much doubt it. I'm I'm happy to be proven wrong, but Kiwis are are very much, you know, love to travel internationally and they'll get back to that eventually. So we'll see come 23, 24, very much back to a normal kind of um, standards. But I think one market that might be really quite different is Australia. Mm We've seen a bit more demand coming out of Australia, even though they've opened up to the world. Still some good demand coming out of there. So there is that different type of traveler that's more tentative about traveling to certain parts of the world. So they're going to come down here because I feel like it's a bit of a slice at home. Yep. You know what I mean? So I guess when you're planning your products, you're planning something that's something in mind for maybe domestic in Australia, but also for that traditional, you know, North American and UK Europe market as well. So just keep your yeah, your product is fairly diverse, but so you cover that. And we all know the Australians don't like to spend as much as some of the other markets. And yep. the same applies <laughs> to Kiwis. John, I'm yeah. sure you know that well. So, yeah, so certainty is what we want from you guys and communication as well. It's um, really important. it's probably a, one of our hardest things at the moment is just turning around quotes in a timely manner Mm our agents because of the slow turnaround time from a good number of suppliers so if you've got resources to do that that, that's really important and that's going to be really important for you guys future they say that you know 70% of our bookings um, are won by you know answering first answering the agent first so for our business anyway that's incredibly important
0: Yeah, and I think you're right. We've talked on previous um, episodes of the importance of trade and I guess so many people got burned at the beginning of the pandemic because they'd booked direct or they'd booked with an OTA and hadn't been supported through cancellations or changes or, you know, anything like that where they got stuck in various countries, whereas now I think we'll start to see that shift back to the trade. So I think you guys are going to play a really important role in that for us as an industry and obviously it's great to see that you're all still around. John have you got anything to add from what you need to see from suppliers?
2: Yeah I think one of the biggest things for us all is certainty of product and what it will be and in the product range within each operations each operator's um, offering. So for example in the last couple of years we've dabbled in the domestic market and worked with a lot of operators that have tried a lot of different tactics and angles to survive and we've really supported them as best we could. Uh, And their changes might be a change from having a minimum of two people to having a minimum of six Mm -hmm. and and lots of things like that. We've had some operators that within 12 months they've changed their minimum number for a, a cruise to operate three times and that's been really difficult. We've supported them because it's been challenging for all of us. So going forward, we need to get back to where we were pre-pandemic and have certainty of product and certainty of what that offering is. And we, we know that's going to be difficult for some operators, but it, but it's really important for us if we're booking, you know, two or four people to know that that activity will, will operate and, mm-hmm. and will it operate seven days a week because there's a lot of product out there now that's only operating weekends or, f- or Friday to Monday. So it's sort of as everyone transitions back to what we were doing pre-pandemic, it's, it's crucial for us to have confidence to book those operators to have that certainty
0: yes and are you seeing any requests for additional flexibility in some of the terms from the products like in terms of cancellations or changes those kinds of things are you seeing that mark
1: uh to be honest not so much at the moment we we certainly did if if i went back 18 months ago then you know flexibility was was incredibly important and, and it was Basically, it was the talk of the town. of of That's what was needed. We certainly have seen quite a change in those requests, and Mm -hmm. and to the point where people are willing to pay deposits and they're willing to commit, which is which is actually really encouraging for us. Mm. What we want to do, and and exactly what John said, all all people are looking for is certainty, and they want to make sure that they've got a really clear cancellation policy and an amendment policy, and there are no gray areas. Mm -hmm. So you know, you'll find, I'm sure. The rest of my ITO um, colleagues out there are doing the same. We're just making sure that our terms and conditions are very, very clear and and clean and and simple. It's Mm -hmm. certainly a time not to to try and create complexity. So just trying to make it very clear and and simple for our agents. The other thing I wanted to pick up on and to mention how important it is to have rates in advance. And, And just to give some clarity around that and why that's important. And I'll take Germany as an example. So... Germany at the moment, or especially our clients, which also we share with John for his groups, they're actually closed from the 1st of April. Their sales to New Zealand are closed until we issue our our tariffs. So we issue our tariffs. We try and get them out by October. If they're delayed, then the actual agent can't go on sale because they can't open up their own. Mm -hmm. So so it's really important we actually receive those um, well in advance. And I think what we don't know is what the booking patterns have changed to. We haven't actively been making volumes of bookings for the last couple of years. So we're anticipating there is going to be a little bit of a change in that from customers around the world. And I think it's really important that the further in advance we can open up our destination and give clarity on rate, the better.
0: Mm, That's a good point you make, actually, because I guess... There's two years, there's so many countries, and well, I think the whole world, there's this fear that's built up in a lot of people and there's been a lot of uncertainty around it. And you do have to wonder what will happen with those booking patterns because will people be comfortable to book a year in advance or will they be waiting and saying, well, actually, let's try and do it in three months' time because that feels a lot closer and more doable for us than who knows what's going to happen in, in 12 months' time.
1: Sure yeah cool
0: yeah there are a lot of unknowns still so just to wrap up I'll open the floor to you guys just to give us a bit of a summary if there's anything you want to say to our listeners any more tips advice that you want to share with them anything that we haven't covered off we'll start with you John
2: We've covered off everything we need to, Michelle. Yeah, we're just just really excited. And let's bring back the excitement of tourism. For for the inbound tour operators, a lot of us, we're still going to have to wait till October before we can send out any meaningful invoices to anyone. and So we've got a little way to go, but we're really excited if the border does open to visa waiver countries earlier than than we've been told, and and hopefully it might be April, and for our partners to get into business, start getting experience together with, with what it's like operating in the new world, and then by the time October comes around, when most of us will be getting really into it, we're all mm. good to go. So looking yeah. forward to it.
0: Yeah, great. And Tim,
3: and touching on the the new world comment, not the supermarket. that's the supermarket <laughs> investigation at the moment, but in the new world of travel, I mean, this is so we just don't know what kind of challenges we're going to have ahead whether we have to go into closures again or is this going to become a bit of a hindrance to travel in certain ways or forms. So keep in mind, this is a long game between your relationship with a an ITO and the suppliers. So with that in mind, it's you know, showing flexibility when we do have challenging situations because they tend to be the suppliers we like to work with. One said, okay, okay, you know, we have to cancel this because so-and-so clients are, can't travel at last minute, they'll come back again. We'll give you more business the more flexibility you show us that builds a bit of loyalty. So mm. keep that in mind with, you know, how you approach things in the future.
0: Yep, definitely. And Mark? Uh,
1: look, we like John said, we're just excited about getting started again and, and reconnecting with our New Zealand um, colleagues and suppliers and exporting their product to our agents around the world. You know, we're looking forward to getting on planes and getting out there and, and sell, selling and marketing and looking forward to what the next 12 months and, and beyond has in store for us. But I think there's certainly going to have to be you know, some flexibility along the way as we all learn and understand what the new new is. We're a little bit unsure of that at the moment, And uh, but we're going to embrace it and, and we're looking forward to some normality again.
0: Yes. Well, that's um, well summed up, guys. So thank you so much for joining me today. It's been great to hear your perspectives on what's happening in your markets. And thank you for hanging in there. I know um, the last two years have been incredibly tough. For everybody, but in particular your sector of the industry, and we've talked about that at length. And we're just so happy to see you still here, and thrilled that soon you'll be back in business and um, back in business properly. So thank you for joining us. We wish you all the best. We'll keep in touch and see how things go, and might have a chat with you later on in the year and see how things are tracking. Excellent.
1: Thanks, Michelle. Sure. Thanks, Michelle. Sure. No. you day.